0: Welcome to the Taney Love Church Podcast. Our desire is to gather, train, and send those who are called into the kingdom. We hope this message inspires, uplifts, and equips you to fulfill the call that God has placed in your life. Thanks again. God bless. I got inspired by, uh, how many of y'all were here for Brother Dustin Barker? Uh, some of y'all were. Um, I got inspired by him when he, uh, he told some jokes at the beginning of the service. And I don't normally do this, but I think I'm going to start with a joke or two. Um, you know, for a long time, I, uh, I shopped at the Dollar Tree until I realized that it was unscriptural. The Bible says to flee from a Dollar Tree. Well, I got one more for you. I got one more for you. Why did the... Elijah's already heard these, so he's not even responding. Why did the... Uh, why did... <laughs> he didn't laugh the first time when he heard it. Um, why did the dog preacher get persecuted by the other dogs? Because he was preaching prosperity. Well, guys, thank you for coming out today as uh, y'all drive home safe. that you. Know, Invite your neighbor? No, maybe not. (laughs) Glory to God. Amen. Praise God. All right, uh, turn with me this morning to John chapter 10. And uh, we'll start in about verse verse 1. We'll just kind of go over the context of this, and then uh, we'll get into where we're going this morning. Um, How many of you got to hear... Uh, some of y'all are familiar with uh, Brother Keith Moore and, and uh, his ministry. and uh, They had Week of Increase uh, about two weeks ago. Um, any of you guys get to hear that? Uh, some of it? Yeah, it was, it was a really good time. I really uh, encourage, encourage people to listen to it if they get the chance to. But uh, he was in this uh, passage. And uh, I've just been hearing all kinds of ministers preach out of this passage since then. And it's neat because each minister has a different perspective on this. And to hear the different people preaching the same passage and how much is in it. It's so rich. And uh, so I'm excited um, for what I thought the Lord's shown me in it. But in verse 1, he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that enters not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. Verse 2. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Verse 3. We'll just kind of keep going. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Verse 4. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Somebody say they know his voice. Verse 5. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Verse 6. skip to verse uh, 7. Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Verse 8. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. Verse 9. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Let me stop right here. Jesus does not force his sheep to stay. Jesus does not force his sheep to to stay fenced in. He lets them go in. He lets them go out. He's not. Uh, Jesus is not the good kidnapper. You, you know what I mean by that. He he doesn't roll up on you with a van. And throw you in the back and tase you and get you to be in the fold. He, uh, he's, he respects your free will. Verse, uh, verse 10. The thief does not come except to steal. So the thief is the one who is that way. The thief is the stealer. The thief is the one who is the kidnapper, you could say. And he doesn't come but to steal, kill, and destroy. Go back to that verse. Uh, verse 10, sorry. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Um, Mike has been in a series talking about uh, God's will for our finances and and, uh, God's will for our prosperity. And that that term gets a a negative connotation. A lot of people treat it like it's a dirty word. Um, And the only reason that people do that Is the same reason why people think a lot of things are dirty. It's because the world has made that seem that way. Um, The world tries to corrupt things. But, you know, I'll I'll be bold to say this to you. In God, um, there's a good version of everything on this earth that that we're drawn to. Um, And really, sin is a corrupted version of a good thing. You see that from the beginning. Um, Well, I won't get into all that right now, but... He said, I've come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. So he's saying that when you're in, you're following me. When you're following the shepherds, you're going to have life and you're going to have abundant life. You're going to be flourishing. You're going to be, um, you're going to be prospering. You're going to be bearing fruit. Uh, he told his disciples, uh, it glorifies me when you bear much fruit. And so to say that God doesn't want you to prosper is to say he doesn't want you to bear fruit because that's, that's the definition of prospering, mm-hmm. of flourishing, mm-hmm. you're bearing fruit. And he said, that glorifies me. Now that is not limited to how much money you do or don't have. There's a lot of people that have a lot of money and they're not flourishing. They're not flourishing spiritually. They're not flourishing uh, emotionally. Um, they're not even flourishing physically. They're sick, they have diseases. And, and even if you have a lot of money, that does not guarantee that you can be cured of a terminal illness. And so that's not the sum total of prosperity, but it does, it, it does include it. And um, as we were talking about during the offering, when you seek first the kingdom of God, all these things are added unto you. So His will for you is abundant life. Amen. So uh, continuing in verse 11, He said, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd gives His life for the sheep. Verse 12, but a hireling, a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. I want to emphasize that to you this morning. The wolf catches the sheep and he scatters the sheep. Why would the wolf want to scatter the sheep? Because scattered sheep are easy prey. I'll say that again. Scattered sheep are easy prey for a wolf. That's why the wolf wants to scatter the sheep. Verse 13. The hireling flees because he's a hireling and does not care about the sheep. Um, a hireling is only in it for the money. A hireling is only there as long as it benefits them. They, everything they do is a stepping stone for them. It's how can I benefit from this? How, I wonder if we have any hirelings in the pulpits today. A hireling is, is only in it as long as this is beneficial to me. And the moment that this is not benefiting me, the moment that this is not conducive to me, then he's gone. The moment that there's a 10% pay decrease, he's like, well, I can be making this much over here, so that's where I'm going. And and what's the connection? He doesn't care about the sheep. And as long as you're in it for yourself, or a hireling or a shepherd is in it for themselves, then they're not going to give their life for the sheep. Why? Because that's what the good shepherd does. He He will take personal disadvantage He will take uh, personal risk for the sake of the sheep. That's a good shepherd. We see this with David. David was willing to risk his own life against a bear. Have you seen a grizzly bear? Not up close, thank God. But, uh, or a lion? He was willing to face these dangerous opponents for the sake of the sheep. Why? Because he loved God. And Jesus told Peter, if you love me, tend my lambs and feed my sheep." And uh, he said, David's a man after my own heart. And David was not a hireling. And that's one of the reasons why God promoted him to king of Israel. Why? Because he wanted somebody who was going to care for the sheep of Israel. And what's more David, we might see this later, but David is a type and a shadow of Christ, the Good Shepherd. And uh, Keep going here. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and am known by my own. Verse 15, I think we'll go to about 16. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Verse 16, and other sheep I have which are not of this fold. So there's more than one fold within the flock of the body of Christ them also i must bring and they will hear my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd there's coming a time when there won't be many folds of the body of christ we will be one fold and one flock that's why you need to go ahead and start getting along with the christians you disagree with why because there's going to be one flock and one fold if they're believers in jesus if they're born again I don't care what you disagree about. You may be living next to them in heaven. So you need to go ahead and, and figure that out now because uh, the little sheep need to get along. I mean, we want the kids to get along in here, you know. They may not agree on, on you know, which Teletubby is the best one. I don't like any of them, but, uh, you know, they need to get along, you know. Um, but he said there'll be one flock and one shepherd. But here's, here's something right now, there are many folds. And because there are many folds, there are under shepherds. Uh, You know, people might say, well, I don't, you know, I don't need a, I don't need a pastor. I just, I just follow Jesus. Well, Jesus told Peter, tend my lambs. Why didn't he say, well, Peter, don't worry about it. They don't need you. They just need me. Well, nobody replaces the good shepherd in our life. Nobody replaces the Holy Spirit. Nobody. But, the Bible says that he gave gifts unto men and those gifts included pastors who are under shepherds who are under the great shepherd and they're gifts to us. And why would he give us gifts? Could it be that you and I needed some shepherding? Could it be that we need some, some shepherding, some, some help? And uh, they're gifts. And if God gave you a gift, you can know it's a good and perfect gift because we know every gift. That's from God, is that way. Amen. Um, but what, what I want to emphasize to you in, in this is that he's talking about the flock. He's talking about the flock following the shepherd and the connection to the abundant life. Turn with me to Psalm 68. And we'll, uh, we'll get a little bit more into what I believe the Lord has put in my heart this morning. Psalm chapter 68 and uh, verse 5, we'll start in verse 5. Um, he's talking about God, and he said, God is a father to the fatherless, and he's a defender of widows. Is God in his holy habitation? This word habitation, we'll see this come up a few times here in the, in the verses we're going to go to. But he said, in this place, in this habitation, God is a father to the fatherless, and he's a defender of the widows. What is the, what's the connection here? Both the fatherless and the widow are on their own, and they've lost something in some way, and there's a, he's talking about people who have been orphaned, orphaned, what I would refer to as orphaned sheep. And he said that in his holy habitation, God is a father to the fatherless and a defender of widows. Now verse, uh, verse six, thank you, Lord. God sets the solitary in families. So, somebody read that out loud with me. God sets the solitary in families. He sets them there. Now, He doesn't force them to stay there. Like I said earlier, He, he lets the sheep go in and out, but He sets them there. You ever, uh, Those of you who have kids, you, you ever set your kid down somewhere and they didn't stay there? <laughs> well, you set them there, but they still have a free will. And you had to kind of guide them, you know, you had to kind of help them stay where they needed to be. Uh, He said he sets the solitary in families. The Hebrew of families literally means in a house. And we're going to go somewhere with that. But he sets them in a house. Thank you, Lord. He brings out those who are bound into what? Prosperity. But what did he do before he brought them out into prosperity? He set them in a family. He sets the solitary in families and he brings out those who are bound into prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. So why would somebody be dwelling in a dry land if God set him in a house, in a family, that uh, there was prosperity happening there because they're rebellious and God won't force people to stay where he put them. It's their choice. And the thing I want to emphasize to you about this verse though, is that there is prosperity. There is life in connection to being where God set you. The title of of my message today is Flourishing in the Flock. Flourishing in the flock. Amen. Let's go over to Psalm 107 in verse 35. Is it good so far? Are you getting something out of it so far? Y'all hook with me. I got quite a few scriptures and not as much time as I do scriptures. Uh, Let's start verse 35. Um, it says, God turns the wilderness into pools of water and dry land into water springs. Verse 36, there he makes the hungry dwell that they may establish a city for a dwelling place. You, you see this sim- similar idea. Of he sets them, he makes them dwell there that they may establish a city for a dwelling place. Verse 37, And sow the fields and plant vineyards, that they may yield a fruitful harvest. What does that sound like? Increase. Prosperity. Well, where did, did it start with? The place that God set them. They're sowing there. They're putting down roots there. Verse 38, He also blesses them, and they multiply greatly. And he does not let their cattle decrease. Verse 39. But when they are diminished and brought low through oppression, affliction, and sorrow. Verse 40. He pours contempt on princes and causes them to wander in the wilderness where there is no way. Now this is a picture of what it looks like to be resisted by God. Uh, The Bible says that God gives grace to the humble but he resists the proud. But look what he says in verse 41. Yet he sets. Somebody say he sets. sets. The poor. He sets the poor on high, far from affliction, and makes their families like a flock. Verse 42. The righteous see it and rejoice, and all iniquity stops its mouth. Do you see this concept in here about the family, the flock, and the prosperity. There's something about being in a flock. You notice that Jesus said, the sheep follow me. You know, Jesus likes to lead the flock. And if we'll get to this in a little bit, but if, if a sheep leaves the flock, Jesus doesn't say, well, you know, really, I was hoping you'd leave that flock anyway because I have some special things that I wanted to, to talk to you about and you're different from the rest of the flock. No. No, the Bible says He goes, and depending on the circumstances, He goes and gets the sheep and brings them back to the flock. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, we'll get to that in a second. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Turn to Jeremiah 31, verse 10. I'm going to go through these scriptures relatively quickly because I sure do have a lot of them. And uh, I, I want to... Read as many as I can. Verse, uh, Jeremiah 31, verse 10. When you have it, say I have it. Elijah has it. Verse, uh, verse 10. Um, he said, Hear the word of the Lord, O nations, and declare it in the isles afar off, and say, He who scattered Israel will gather him and keep him as a shepherd does his flock. Verse 11. Therefore they... Oh, uh, I'm sorry. Go. Uh, yeah, yeah, verse 11, you're right. For the Lord has redeemed Jacob and ransomed him from the hand of one stronger than he. Verse 12. Therefore they shall come and sing in the height of Zion, streaming to the goodness of the Lord. The King James says they shall flow together to the goodness of the Lord, they'll flow together. And it talks about them being like a well watered garden and them sorrowing no more. So again, he's talking about being scattered and then being brought together as a flock and flowing together to the goodness of the Lord. He goes on to talk about for wheat and new wine and, and oil, which are all pictures of increase and prosperity. Uh, Jeremiah 33, verse 7. I'll give Elijah a second to get there. He said, I'll cause the captives of Judah and the captives of Israel to return and will rebuild those places as at the first. Verse 8. I will cleanse them from all their iniquity by which they have sinned against me. I'll pardon all their iniquities. Verse uh, 9. Then it shall be to me a name of joy, a praise, and an honor for all the nations of the earth who shall hear all the good that I shall do to them. They shall fear and tremble for all the goodness and the what? I thought that was a dirty word. No. All the prosperity that I provide for it keep going verse 10 thus says the Lord again there shall be heard in this place of which you say it is desolate without man without beast in the cities of Judah in the streets of Jerusalem without man without inhabitant and without beast verse 11 the voice of joy the voice of gladness the voice of the bridegroom the voice of the bride Uh, verse 12 we're kinda just going through some of these thus says the Lord of hosts in this place which is desolate uh, where without man and beast in all its cities, there shall again be a dwelling place of shepherds causing their flocks to lie down. Now, where have you heard that phrase before? We'll get there in a little bit. But Psalm 23, causing the sheep to lie down. Um, let's read verse 13 real quick. Uh, in the cities of the mountains, in the land of Benjamin, uh, the bottom, the flocks shall again pass under the hands of, of him who counts them. Does Jesus know how many sheep he has? Does he know you, which number of sheep you are? <laughs> Will he know if you're missing? Why? Because he loves you. He knows his sheep. He said, "He knows, I know my sheep and they are known of me. He counts the sheep. You, you talk about counting sheep at night. Well, you know what Jesus does at night? He doesn't slumber or sleep. He's counting sheep. I didn't mean for that to rhyme, but I'm sure glad it did. He's not not slumbering. He doesn't sleep at night. He is laying awake and he's counting his sheep. Amen. Because he loves you. Verse 14, we'll read that real quick. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will perform that good thing, which I have promised to the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. Uh, Now, real quick, go to Numbers chapter 10. Can anything good come from Numbers chapter 10? Well, that, that Old Testament, you know, we, we, that didn't apply to us anymore. So why, why would we be reading the Old Testament? Well, I'm going to quote my father in the faith, Brother Keith Moore. Don't neglect your Old Testament. You, if you do, you do yourself a great disservice. And uh, in verse 29 it says, Now Moses said to Hobab, uh, I don't know if you're... Th- planning on having any more kids or what you're going to name them, but I don't recommend Habab, but it's up to you. The son of Ruel, the Midianite, Moses' father-in-law, he said, we're setting out for the place of which the Lord said, I will give it to you. Come with us and we will treat you well. For the Lord has promised good things to us. Somebody say the Lord has promised good things to us. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God has promised good things to you? Yes. Verse 30. And he said to them, I will not go, but I will depart to my own land and to my relatives. Verse 31. So Moses said, please do not leave, inasmuch as you know how we are to camp in the wilderness, and can, you can be our eyes. Verse 32. He said, and it shall be, if you go with us, Indeed, it shall be that whatever the whatever good the Lord will do to us, the same will we do to you. Now, he's thinking about going back to his relatives, but Moses is saying, if you come with us, if you stay with this flock, whatever good the Lord does to us, we're going to do for you. Do you see that? his prosperity could very easily be connected to whether or not he goes with them. Now, uh, Moses and those Israelites had some tests and trials, but eventually they made it into the promised land. And I I haven't read to find out what happened to Moses' father-in-law, but I know they were headed in the right direction. But this is what I want to emphasize to you this morning and before we move on. Um... When you read in the book of Genesis, uh, the creation story, um, you see that God created the heavens and the earth, and He said what? It's good. He created the stars, He created the sun, and He said what? It's It's good. Did you know that in the creation story, there's only one thing That the Lord called not good and that was for man to be alone he said it is not good for man to be alone now of course in the context he was talking about Eve and marriage but I don't believe it's limited to that Um, it's not good to be alone and why would somebody want to be alone why would somebody want to be isolated you know you see You see this with uh, the prophet Elijah. He's out in the wilderness, and he's kind of complaining. And he said, God, there's nobody like me. Nobody gets me. Nobody understands me. I don't fit in. I don't fit in. They're all Baal worshipers, and there's nobody like me. And uh, God's like, bro, there's 8,000 of you. And God's like, you're not the only one. And we see in that what I call the spirit of isolation. Some people say, well, you know, Jesus was a loner. He was not. He spent time with his father. He, uh, he prayed a lot, but Jesus was always with people. Whether he was ministering to them, whether he was eating at their house, Uh, whether he was um, talking to his disciples. I mean, Jesus had 12 helpers. Mm -hmm. If Jesus needed a company, I guarantee you, you and I need a company. Mm -hmm. We are not created to be alone. And our flourishing, our abundant life, there is a huge part of this that is connected to us being in the flock and the family where God has set us. Amen. And uh, I'll, put, I'll read this. Don't don't put it up, Elijah. I'll just read it in, in Proverbs 18.1 in the Amplified Bible. It says, He who willfully separates and estranges himself from God and man seeks his own desire and pretext to break out against all wise and sound judgment. Now again, why would somebody isolate themselves? Why would somebody... Be separate uh, because pride is one reason uh, rebellion offense but a big one is I don't fit in and the enemy is always trying to make Christians feel like they don't fit in can I tell you why he tries so hard to make you feel that way because it's in direct contradiction to what God said uh, Go to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 19. Ephesians chapter 2. Y'all doing all right so far? Ephesians chapter 2. In fact, I'll just let Elijah put it up. Verse 19. Uh, Let me know when when you guys have it. Um, He said, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the house of God. Verse 20. Verse 20. you have it, Elijah? Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, verse 21, in whom the whole building, somebody say the whole building, being what? bless you, being what? Fitted together. Grows into a holy temple in the Lord. That sounds like that holy habitation we read about in Psalm 68. Verse 22. In whom you also. Somebody say, me also. also. Say it again, me also. So you can't say that excludes you, because he just said you also. So if you were tempted to think it excluded you, you have to Call him a liar because he said you also, thank you, Lord, are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. You fit into the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. You have a perfect place in the body of Christ. And don't ever let the enemy tell you you don't fit in. Well, I'm just different. I just see things differently. Nobody sees that. Nobody's been through what I've been through. Nobody sees things the way I do. Shout out to Aaron Gillespie and the Almost, if you know about that band. But nobody sees things the way I do. That's not true. There's a lot of people who see things the way you do, and you may both be wrong. (laughs) But you're not alone. Amen. Glory to God. Real quick, uh, put up Romans 8, 14. We'll just kind of breeze through these. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Mm -hmm. What's the spirit of adoption? Well, it's family. It's I'm adopting you into my family. Now, some people throw the the term family around, and it's not it's not accurate. Um, you know, I worked at a, a fast food restaurant for several years, and they they'd always say, uh, "Oh, we're all just a family here." Were we though? <laughs> I, I you know, because if I didn't uh, if I didn't perform a certain way, uh, I was out the family, Elijah. You know, uh, you know. And uh, so sometimes people throw that, that phrase around a little bit because the truth is family has to do with unconditional love. Maybe you aren't doing everything right. Maybe you aren't performing very right. And I didn't say a family was somebody who didn't correct you. No, it's the opposite. The good shepherd does correct. But the love is unconditional. And the spirit of adoption is the spirit of acceptance. There is no rejection. There is no feeling I'm not good enough. I I don't fit in. I'm not making the cut. I'm not wanted. I'm not welcome. I'm not loved. That is a lying spirit. It's a lying spirit. In God, it's not that way. However, sometimes Christians can make you feel that way. And we've all experienced that probably at one time or the other. And that's why you need to know which fold you belong in. And one of the ways you can identify which fold you belong in is the spirit of adoption. That's there. Doesn't mean you don't get corrected. It doesn't mean that people always agree with you. Doesn't mean you're right about everything, but there's love and there's a sense of family It's the spirit of adoption. Real quick, put up Galatians chapter 4, Elijah. I just want to touch on this real quick, and we'll move on. Y'all doing all right? Do I need to, you know, juggle something or, you know? um, But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, verse 5, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. See, the law said, if you mess up, you're out. The law said if, if somebody spits in your face, you've got to spend seven days outside of the camp. The law said it is dependent on your performance. The law is like Steve Harvey. You know what I mean by that, Elijah? Uh, I won't expand on that, but that we might receive the adoptions as sons. Now, the law is good and the law is holy. Let me emphasize that to you. But we needed redemption. We needed redemption that we might receive the adoption as sons, verse uh, 6. And because you are sons, God has sent forth His Spirit of His Son into your heart, crying out, Abba, Father. I've got the Spirit of Jesus in me, and my Spirit is crying out, Abba, Father. My Spirit knows who my Daddy is. My Spirit knows what family I'm a part of. Even if my head is questioning it, even if my emotions are questioning it, my spirit knows. My spirit knows the truth. And his, the spirit of His Son is in me crying out, Abba, Father. And His nature is in me too. Amen. Glory to God. And uh, a lot of the things that keep people from feeling like they fit in or, or being where God told them is, you know, they get offended or... Um, they feel rejected or, or pride. Pride says, I don't need anybody else. I don't need anybody you know, to help me. I don't need fellowship. I've got this on my own. And we know that's just not true. We all need help. We all need people in our life. God did not create us to be alone. And there's a flourishing that's attached to that. Um, let's go over to Matthew chapter 9. Thank you, Lord. He's helping, He's helping me this morning. How many of y'all sense the presence of the Lord in worship this morning? Verse, uh, Matthew 9, verse 35. you have it? Oh, thank you. It said, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, Teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Why is Jesus doing that? He is revealing the nature of the Father. Now, we heard this before, but we can hear it again. That's the nature of your Heavenly Father the gospel of the kingdom, healing sickness and disease among the people. That's the gospel. Verse 36, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. Why? Because they were weary and scattered. They were weary. They're tired. They're burdened. What did Jesus say? Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Why are they weary? because they are trying to do life on their own. They are trying to live on their own. They're trying to carry everything on their own. They're not connected. They're scattered. And those are the people that the wolf goes after. He goes after the scattered sheep. And Jesus is moved with compassion because they're like sheep without a shepherd. And so why would he be moved with compassion? He wants to see the sheep with a shepherd. He wants to see them not scattered. He wants to see them gathered. That's what compassion is moving him toward. Amen. And uh, over in Luke chapter 15, we'll, we'll go over here now. I'm actually doing pretty good, I think. But time seems to go by really quick when I'm up here. We've got a few minutes. Luke 15 and verse 11, we'll read a little bit here. Then he said, well, let me me say this first. In Luke 15, we're given a picture of two types of sheep. And both of them are away from the flock. And the first sheep he talks about is one that is a lost sheep. And he talks about how the shepherd goes out and gets that sheep and does what? Brings them back to the flock. Why would he do that? because he wants them in the flock. Mm -hmm. And the second kind of sheep though he talks about is the prodigal son. And and there's a, there's an important difference between these two types of sheep. The first sheep doesn't know where home is. I'm going to say that again. The first sheep does not know where home is. And so he's got to go out and get that sheep and that sheep is scattered like a sheep with no shepherd they're confused, they're disillusioned, they don't know where home is. And those are the ones the shepherd goes after. But there's another kind of sheep, and there are those sheep who do know where home is. But for whatever reason, they've gotten away. They're scattered, they're offended, they're rebellious in some cases, or they just don't feel like they fit in, they feel rejected. And for whatever reason, they're out here, they know where home is, and he did not go after that sheep. He didn't. That was not the one he went after. But he waited for the sheep to come home. And he kept looking for the sheep to come home. And he welcomed that sheep when it did come home. But he didn't go after it. There's two types of sheep here. And we have to, we have to understand that. Now he said, a certain man had two sons and we'll read the whole passage. So we'll just kind of flow and I'll I'll let you know when to stop Elijah. Verse 12. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. Verse 13. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Uh, Other translations say riotous living. He wasted his possessions. Another translation say, it says he wasted his substance. Um, this, this can include wasting my gifts, my graces, my talents, uh, what the Lord has entrusted to me, using it for something else, wasting it. Wasting it. And, and verse 14, But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Mm-hmm. Notice that he's away from the Father, and famine has arisen, and now he's in lack. Mm-hmm. He is not prospering. He is not flourishing. He's starving. Mm-hmm. He's out here on his own. Because he was seeking what, he, what the world calls life. Well, I just want to live. I just want to live. I just want to experience life. But what he got was death because that's what that kind of life is away from the Father. In verse 15, then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. Now here's something I want to point out to you. I mentioned this earlier. You know, uh, divine connections, God joinings, You know, people say, well, well, you know, they got connections. That may or may not be a good thing because is it something that God joined? You know, I've I've seen some Bible cartoons and things, and and I think I've I've let that influence my mind into thinking that that was actually a part of the scriptures when it wasn't necessarily. But some of these Bible cartoons, they portray these. uh, He has all these friends, you know, that are hanging out with him. Why? Because he's got money. And I think that there's some reasonable assumption there that he had people who's hanging out with them. Why? Cause they want something from him. He's got money. So they're hanging out with him. They're acting like, Oh, we're your friend. We're, we're with you until the money ran out. What are those people? Watch this. They're hirelings. Those people are hirelings. They're there when the money's there. And when the money's gone, they're gone. And there's a lot of these kind of connections in the world. But is it a God connection? Because a God connection is held together by God. And there's a lot of wolves out there too, by the way. And he joined himself to a citizen of that country. Verse 16. Oh, I just saw something else there. The Bible says we're citizens of heaven. Be careful about joining yourself to a citizen of this country. I'm not talking about the USA, of this country. We love people. We're not called to leave leave the world. We're supposed to be a witness to the world. But joining, what is that? Partnership, connection. What I have is flowing to them. What they have is flowing to me. And this was the result. He's filling himself up on unclean things because of what he's joined to. Verse 17. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I'm perishing with hunger? Verse 18. I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. Verse 19. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Verse 20. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion on him. Why? Because he was like a sheep without a shepherd. See, he didn't go after him, but he waited for him to come to himself, to remember who he was. And he ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Verse 21. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Verse 22. But the father said to his servant, he didn't even respond to that because his sonship wasn't based on whether or not he was worthy. Bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, verse 23. And bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry, verse 24. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. This is what I want to point out to you. His prosperity was waiting on him. His prosperity was waiting on him. And the moment he returned, what happened? It was restored to him. Because it wasn't a matter of what he had deserved in the first place. The older son thought he deserved all this stuff. And he didn't get it because he thought he deserved it. But grace was waiting on him at home. His father was waiting on him. And his prosperity, his abundant life was waiting on him. Amen. Now, uh, in closing, I believe I just have a couple more scriptures. Uh, turn to Ezekiel 34, and we're just about done. We'll wrap up here. I'll just uh, say this real quick. In Psalm 16, it talks about uh, delighting in the saints that are in the land. But those who chase after another God or another thing, sorrow is multiplied to them. And then the rest of that verse, uh, the passage goes on to talk about the inheritance that we have in God. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that chase a lot of things that they think is going to give them life. But when they get there, they realize that it, it's empty and, and there's no life in it. But uh, the true, true riches are God's inheritance. True riches are found in His inheritance. Amen. Isaiah uh, 34, starting in verse 11, and uh, we'll read a few verses and I may skip some. He's talking about, in the, in the beginning of this passage, though, he's talking to hirelings. He's talking to shepherds who are actually hirelings, and he's rebuking them. And uh, he said, For thus says the Lord God, Indeed, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. Verse 12. As a shepherd seeks out his flock on the day he is among his scattered sheep, so will I seek out my sheep and deliver them from all the places where they were scattered on a cloudy and dark day. Verse 13. And I will bring them out of the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them to their own land. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, in the valleys and in all the inhabited places of the country. Verse 14, I will feed them in a good pasture and their fold shall be on the high mountains of Israel. There they shall do what? Lie down in a good fold and feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. Amen. Do you see this flourishing that's in the flock? Verse 15. I will feed my flock and I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. Verse 16. I will seek that what was lost and bring back that what was driven away. I will bind up the broken and strengthen the sick, but I will destroy the fat and the strong and feed them in judgment. That's the key part of the verse you wish wasn't there, you know, but he uh, skip down to verse 22. "Therefore I will save my flock and they shall no longer be." A prey. Uh, skip down to verse 22. "Therefore I will save my flock, and they shall no longer be a therefore I will save my flock and they shall no longer be a prey, and I will judge between sheep and sheep." Uh, verse 23. I will establish one shepherd over them. We read that in John chapter 10. And he shall feed them, my servant David. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. Now, David's come and gone at this point when Ezekiel was written. So who's he talking about? I believe he's talking about Jesus. He said he'll, he shall feed them and be their shepherd. Keep going. And I, the Lord, will be their God and my servant David, a prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. Verse 25. I will make a covenant of peace with them and cause wild beasts to cease from the land and they will dwell safely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. Verse 26. I will make them and the places all around my hill a blessing and I will cause showers to come down in their season. There shall be showers of blessing. Verse 27. I know we're reading a lot of scripture, but it's good scripture. It's all good scripture, but... Then the trees of the field shall yield their fruit, and the earth shall yield her increase. They shall be safe in their land. They shall know that I am the Lord when I have broken the bands of their yoke and delivered them from the hand of those who enslaved them. Verse 28. And they shall no longer be a prey for the nations. Why? Because they're in the flock. They're not scattered. The wolf can't get to you if you're not scattered. Nor shall beasts of the land devour them, but they shall dwell safely, and no one shall make them afraid. Two more verses in this passage. I will raise them up for a garden of renown, and they shall no longer be consumed with hunger in the land, nor bear the shame of the Gentiles anymore. They're not going to keep being hungry. They're not going to keep going without. They're not going to keep struggling. Is this a promise of God? That's not His will for you. He doesn't want you to struggle. He doesn't want you to be hungry. That's not what the good shepherd does. We'll see that here in just a second. Verse 30. Thus says the Lord, they shall know that I, the Lord their God, am with them and that the house of Israel are my people, says the Lord God. Now, in closing, I think, I believe, uh, Psalm 23. Nancy, would you come up and play? Psalm 23. And we'll just read this very quickly together. And I just want to see the nature of the good shepherd. Um, Psalm 23, verse 1 says, The Lord is... uh, Let's read this together. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I'll do what? I'll dwell in the house. What did we read earlier? He sets the solitary in a house and he brings out those who are bound into prosperity. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's you being in the house. You know, there's a lot of people who deal with loneliness. I've dealt with it at different seasons of my life, and I know that it, it can be one of those things that uh, you don't feel like people understand you. You don't feel like you have people that uh, connect with you. And, and I think the problem is, is a lot of times we expect everybody to agree with us naturally, or mentally, or politically, or all these things, and we forget that the the connection we're really looking for is spiritual. And when we judge people after the flesh so much, we, we cut ourselves off from the fellowship that we're supposed to have. Because here's the thing, if I'm in fellowship with him and he's in fellowship with them, why can't I be in fellowship with them? Whether or not we agree on everything. If he's in fellowship, do you think God is cutting off all fellowship with somebody just because they may not be right about everything? Let me help you out here. He didn't cut off fellowship with you even though you're not right about everything. Even though you don't, you know, you don't, you don't have to like all the same music. You don't have to like all the same movies. You don't have to see totally eye-to-eye politically about every single thing. But if you're in fellowship with him, one spirit, one body, First John talks about if you say you love God but you hate your brother, you're lying. Why? Because if he's in fellowship with them and I'm in fellowship with him, we can be in fellowship with each other. And there's, there's a life in that. There's a, there's a prosperity. There's a flourishing that comes from this connection in the body. And I'm just so tired of the division in the body of Christ. I'm so tired of everybody be judging everybody and everybody's correcting everybody. And I've done it too, and I've been guilty of it. And listen, there are things we got to talk about, and you're not, you don't have to agree with everybody. But we are called to love them. And we can have fellowship with people whether or not we agree on everything. And there's something about this. He said how blessed it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. And there's a flow of the anointing and the blessing when there's unity in the body of Christ. And eventually there's going to be one flock and one shepherd. And we're all going to be following him. Amen. Glory to God. Stand to your feet. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tanny Love Church podcast. For more information about us, visit us online at www.tannylovechurch.com. And you can also check us out on social media on Instagram and Facebook.